You're George Adele. And you're Renee Ritchie. And you're a psychotherapist. And you're a tech analyst. And welcome to Apple Talk, where we talk about, I was going to say Marvel and Disney, but it's so not. No. It might sometimes, as well be. Sometimes it's Marvel and Disney. Sometimes. But technically, it's Apple and Microsoft and Google and Facebook and I'm forgetting, Amazon, Amazon, and how they affect our culture and increasingly our lives. And the psychology behind of that. Oh, yeah. Psychology behind all the technology. All of that. And this is a special bonus episode because... You're going to have to explain this to me again, Georgia, because I swear I was paying attention. But we were recruited, brought on board by an undisclosed gov U.S. government. Um, it sounds very professional. No, so they wanted to talk about, what, what, what you tell us. They wanted to help um, teach about media, social media, its involvement, what's happening, um, how to help people go th mediate through that. Social media um, literacy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Yeah, because nobody understands this stuff. Like nobody yeah. understands a world that's that's hooked on Facebook and Twitter. It is such a strange world. Yeah. So we explained it. We loved it. We had so much fun doing it. Most wonderful people really care about their community. And so we thought, you know what? This would be a great Apple Talk. And they were yeah. sweet enough to say, yes, we could do it. So here we have um, our conference. Yes, and we're going to look slightly different. Just We're going to look a little bit different, but it's... there we go. You can hire us to talk at your conference. <laughs> That's true. All right. Hold on. <laughs> and now please welcome council member from the city of Midland, Michigan, Diane Brown Wilhelm. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech Tornado, How to Stay Grounded While Big Tech and Digital Media Append Trust and Fellowship in Our Communities. This afternoon, we have uh, two amazing uh, guests with us. I had the pleasure of meeting them a few weeks ago. We have Georgia Dow and Renee Ritchie. Georgia has over 20 years experience in teaching and counseling with degrees in psychology and education, a teaching degree, a master's degree with distinction in art therapy, as well as a two-time Canadian jiu-jitsu champion. She specializes in treating anxiety and stress management for both adults and children. Georgia hosts several podcasts dealing with technology and psychology. And she also hosts Apple Talk and her own YouTube site on dealing with anxiety and social media. Renee Ritchie has been covering personal technology for over a decade. He currently hosts his own channel where he provides news analysis and insight on Apple and related technologies and culture. He also co-hosts MacBreak Weekly on the Twit Network and writes a column every Monday for more part of Future PLC. As former editorial director of the Mobile Nations Network, including Android Central and Windows Central, editor-in-chief of iMore, host of Vector YouTube channel, and co-host of CES Live. Renee has a background in product marketing, web development, and graphic design. He's authored several books and appeared on numerous television and radio segments on the to discuss Apple and the technology industry. When not working, he enjoys cooking, grapple, and spending time with his friends and family in Montreal, Canada. I am very pleased to welcome Georgia and Renee. 
Now, please welcome psychotherapist for the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, Georgia Dow, and Canadian independent blogger and YouTube content creator, Renee Ritchie. Hi, I'm Georgia Dow. Hi, I'm Renee Ritchie. And right now we're going to be dealing with a little bit of psychology and technology and with a specific focus on social media and how it affects us and what we can do about it. So I'm going to start off, Renee, with asking you a question. So social media, the news networks, they've changed a lot. Can you give us a brief sweep of what has happened and how has social media altered our perception of news? Absolutely. So when the internet started, it was a, a brand new frontier. And there was a lot of professionally generated content, which was like the newspapers, the books, things that existed in the real world. They started appearing online, but it was quickly discovered from everything from the original BBS rooms to online forums, CompuServe, AOL, the earliest days that there was this new user generated content that people could post their comments, they could they could group together, they could chat, they could do all of this. And user-generated content for big companies was essentially free. It was free content. So it became more and more emphasized. And people would get into discussions. They would get into arguments. They would get into fights. They would get into collaborations. They would do what people would do. And this increased engagement. People would come back to these websites over and over again to talk in the forums, to talk in the comments. And we started to see early social networks emerge, things like MySpace and Friendster, which let people join together specifically for user-generated content to have these discussions. And then we started having the more modern ones, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And so, so Renee, like, it used to be that like it was like newspapers. Like yes. they started off looking like newspapers, but that's costly. You have to pay someone yes. to write. And you used to do this. Yes. So you'd pay A people lot of it. Yes, for many, many years. Um, and you'd they'd have to pay people a good salary to be able to deal with it. So yes. part of it was incentivized to go to social because it was free. It was free and it was highly engaging. And as it scaled, you could no longer keep up with the timeline. Like in the beginning, you could look at the entire Twitter timeline and just read it because there were so few people on it. Right. But as they started to grow, they figured out that they could do it algorithmically. And that meant not just showing you all the messages in chronological order, but trying to guess which messages were most relevant to you. Because maybe you couldn't see a thousand messages, but they would try to show you the 25 uh, most important ones. Why do they care about showing you the most important ones? Because the whole way that a lot of these companies monetize is the time that you're on the site. They okay. either show you ads uh, or they collect your data. And the, the more often you're there, the more you're using it, the better for them. So they're inclined to get you to keep using it. Because they make more money if you spend more time on their application or using whatever Instagram or Facebook yes. or you know even CNN the time they make most of their money through user engagement, where it used to be that they would make money through subscriptions or through paying to be able to use it. Yeah. And so there's also a switch in the way that these social media companies and news companies make their money. So they want you to keep on clicking. They don't want to let you off. So it's it's similar to traditional media. Like the old saying was, if it bleeds, it leads. So you would, you'd never put dog bites man on a headline. You put man bites dog because that's unusual. Everybody wants to read that. Or you would put a cliffhanger, like you have the beginning of a TV show start with like a crime and then you, the whole TV show is about solving it. It's just to get us engaged. But the, the thing with algorithms is they, be, they quickly became too 
complicated for normal humans to program. Now, when we say, what does algorithm mean? So it can mean different things. When we're talking about this specifically, we're talking most recently about neural networks. And it's helpful to think about them as pets. Like okay. you don't code a pet, you train a pet. Okay. And that's what we're doing with algorithms. We're feeding it data and we don't know what's going on inside anymore. But if it works, we keep it. If it doesn't work, we get rid of it and make more. And work means that people are staying on the site. So there, there are computer systems that are looking at what stories keep people on my, whatever is my site to keep them there. And if it is dog man bites dog. Yes. Let's make more stories or promote those stories to the top. Yeah. So that, it, with, the, that will keep them there. So in the beginning, it was really rough. It was click through rate. Like if you had a sensational headline, a sensational picture or thumbnail and people would click on it, that was their metric. But people started to game that with clickbait. Like very early on, they put a tantalizing picture or a crazy headline that had nothing to do with the content and people would click, but then they'd be angry. Yes. So, and angry at the site that gave yes. us the clickbait article. Yes, and they'd which be Which they didn't hesitant. like because then we might not choose to click next time. Yes. And so our pets that we are training to keep people on so we can make the most amount of money because that's yes, what these media... it's a happy little pet. It wants to bring us more stuff. These media companies have moved from truth to we just want to make sure that people are so, there and actively engaged, whether that be for good and bad. So it's say. complicated. Uh, so they, they moved from the click through rate to the watch time, okay. like how long you were watching it for, because they thought that was a good metric. Like if you click on the video and you watch 90% of the video, it must be good because otherwise you would have stopped watching it. But that didn't mean that it was good. It meant that it was compulsive. Like it, it was, it was, it commanded your attention. Right. It could be good or bad. And that's why I think to your point, we saw the rise of extremist content because it is one type of content that keeps people engaged. A cat playing a piano keeps people engaged for a very short amount of time. Right. But really extremist, uh, really sensationalist, those sorts of stories, it's the same thing we would read in a supermarket tabloid. It's yes. why they were placed at the end of the supermarket yes. aisle. It's yes. just in digital form and you get another tabloid immediately. Like they wanna yeah. give you another tabloid immediately afterwards. So so let's kind of go a little bit into the brain and why do we as humans, cause I'll say it, I'll be the first one. I, I am this person, I will click interesting articles. It, so when we read something, see something that makes us feel and feel a certain way, we want to continue that feeling. Yes. Now, you would think that that would only be for things that make you happy and feel good about ourselves. But unfortunately, we have, and this is a trillion dollar industry, so they have done tons of studies on emotional content and what is our relationship with that, is that feel good is good for a short amount of time. But if we are working on the primitive part of the brain, so the limbic system, which is the middle part of the brain, it's not that intelligent, but it is with the emotional center and our thinking part of our brain is over it. But if we can engage the fear or anger centers of our brain, we will want to continue clicking almost compulsively. The five things that your phone might be doing that could kill you will make our fear center, our anxiety increase, and we will want to find out and keep on going through the rabbit hole. The people that are destroying our, you know, whatever we care about, our community, our country, our, you know, backyard, trees, if you love trees, 
that will make us want to continue because we're angry and we want to do something about it. Is it that like if you see something that's satisfying or accurate, you are satisfied and you're you're done. You're at, but if it's not at, satisfying or it's enraging, you just want to you just keep going because it is so enraging. Well, it, it's even a further step from that. If we are at peace and we feel calm, we don't have to do anything. It does not activate our motivation center to fix, to activate, to attack, to deal with it. But if we end up motivating our anger or our fear centers, that strikes us into action. It increases our level of cortisol in our system. And now we want to find out as much as we can find out and fight. And that fight system keeps us wanting to find out as much as we can find out as quickly as possible. And so we will continue to consume. And since the media has found that out, and the most extreme, um, you know, whatever is the opposite of your polarization, the most extreme things make us feel the most activated, angry or anxious. And that center will keep us having to consume. And we end up in a feeding loop that is addictive. And, and it doesn't even have to be extremist in the way people think about it. No. Like I was looking, I was watching a video on the Marianas Trench because I was interested yeah. in the deepest part of the ocean. And immediately I started getting served, is Megalodon real? Are yes. they hiding Megalodons? Yes. The great Megalodon conspiracy yes. theory. Because yes. that is what people started watching afterwards. And how hard is it not to click? I want to know. Now I want to search for <laughs> You're looking for them right now. And I'm, I want to search. I, I might be clicking while we're, we're doing this video. We're not. We're not clicking. Yeah. And they, they, they started facing a choice, a lot of these social networks, about... Yes whether they were going to do engagement at no cost. And they've made different decisions. Like uh, Facebook, historically, every time they've had an opportunity to choose between optimum monetization, like making a lot of money or all the money, they've chosen to make all the money. Which On the, on the Google side, Google search has had a lot of issues. On YouTube, they're rolling out forms like uh, because they don't want you to just be watching. They want to know how satisfied you are when you're watching now. So they ask you how you feel afterwards. And the jury is still out on whether like people actually fill out these forms and what quantity and how much are self- And what type of people fill them yes. out and what act what are their feelings when they fill these out, yes. Yeah, but it is it is this constant desire to keep you on platform yes. that is driving um, a lot of this. And then it feeds our addiction center. So when we get that off and on um, set of reward, right? It's not all the time that we get the reward, but every once in a while, it feeds an addiction center. So certain people, especially now during the time of a pandemic, when a lot of our world, a lot of the things that we would do are taken away from us, social media, living online has been a great part of our life and an increasing part of our life. And doing nothing makes us want to feel and feel like we are being active in something. And so that powerlessness, along with the need as humans to be active and being able to change and being able to figure it out, has fed social media. And I think that's that's a great point. And I think, you know, as an individual, I can't force NBC to air my sitcom. I can't force the Wall Street Journal to publish my right. article. I can't force NPR to, to, to host this show. But I can go on any social media platform and leave my comment. And if I choose to, I can leave it in a zero consequence, zero accountability way, yes. which is great for people like dissidents, people who are disenfranchised, people who have been victimized. Not so great uh, for people who want to just um, explode out on the internet with no accountability. Yes. And we all have an innate need to want to leave our mark, to be heard, for our voices to matter. But that feeds polarization in that 
the loudest voice gets the most info gets the most attention. And so then we start moving from all of us kind of being in one group, but maybe on different sides of it, that the group starts spreading apart. And we end up with the loudest voices getting the most attention. And we want to be part of a tribe. We have yeah. a need for that as humans. And then we want to be an important part of the tribe. So we will become more, more polarized in whatever are our views. And this is something that is innate to us as humans. There's two, there's two psychological factors I'd love to ask you about. The first one is online, it seems, everybody, no matter how... Uh, small their opinion is like you could have the most minority opinion in the world. You could believe that the world is made out of lemon meringue pie. But when you mm -hmm. say it on the internet, you tend to believe yours is the majority opinion, regardless right. of how minority it is. Right. Well, unfortunately, that's more increased now because also we don't hear divergent views. We can now be stuck in a bubble where we are going to websites. Like it used to be that where we would have discussions would be perhaps at church or the community center or work. yes, or sports. And so we would have most of our conversations because there was no online one in person and with people that had different opinions where it wasn't about winning. It was about listening and learning and understanding. I'll be honest. It's kind of innate to us to want to win as well, but we were forced to have to interact with people that believed something different, which kept our minds more pliable. But now, and also they were our neighbors, they were our community, and were we were we had a certain amount of shame about how we wanted them to perceive us. Like right. there was, there was a, a community of a, pressure. Yes. So like yes. It, I think it it took the edges off the more extreme views. Yes, it, we had a push to actually be more in the community more because civil. we wanted to be part of a tribe, and yes. this was our tribe. And now with online, not only do we end up with these divergent views, but we can shut out or block or cancel anyone that we do not want or don't like to hear their thoughts of because they're different. Than we us. can self-select our echo chamber. And because of that, we stay in this little bubble with everyone else that believes what we believe. And so we think that it becomes mainstream because anything that you say to yourself enough times or that you hear enough times becomes true. Regardless of how outlandish it is. Yeah. The second one is other phenomenon where let's say... Uh, you read an article about something you know that's really, really well. You see all the errors in it and you want to like write the editor. Even in the old days, the like, newspaper right. is wrong. Right. This crossword puzzle is wrong. I'm writing the editor. Right. But then you'd immediately read an article about something that you weren't an expert in and you would, you'd think it was 100% accurate because you didn't see any of the faults. And that happens in social media. Like on a topic that I know about, I can immediately see what I consider to be like a troll or you know, deliberate uh, instigation, all those things. But you go to a topic you know nothing about. Like if I'm in suddenly in a knitting conversation, I don't know if they're <laughs> pranking me or not. I can just assume everything, what I'm reading is true. And it's pre-chewed information. Let's be honest, most of the time we're only reading the headline. Sometimes we will skim through the article because our um, we don't concentrate for as long anymore, right? Like we have lost, our, our time of attention span has been decreasing, unfortunately, because of media, because we like to click a button and immediate things happen. So we end up with not just that it's our information and our own um, skill level or you know knowledge base, which will affect whether we believe something or doesn't, but also how much is given. Is it skewed to a certain way in the article? Who wrote this? These are questions that we don't ask anymore. And, and so that media knowledge and our own knowledge do have a great effect on how much is something going to affect me. I read a psychology article. I am looking at what is the end value? Yeah, how many people are in the how many people are in the study? Who did it? Is it double blind? Was this with twins? Was it only with 30 year olds that are from this economic status? 
I know that that will change what the variables are, and these are flaws. But if I read something on just a headline on Facebook on on GPUs, I don't yes. know anything about it, so I don't even have the knowledge to be able to make the proper questions. And then if it's a personality that I like or that's very charismatic, I might have an increased chance of wanting to one be part of their tribe, and so just believe them. And the the thing that that I think is hurtful to me as someone who worked in journalism for many years is that we have unprecedented access to primary sources. Right. Like it, previously, I could only read what like what the president said or what the head of Coca-Cola said. I could only read those things in a newspaper or see them on TV. But now almost everyone is tweeting directly, like the biggest CEOs in the world, all the world's leaders, local, you know, provincial or statewide. I can read those tweets directly, right. but we're still, if you look at social media today, you will hear two things. One is they silence whatever form of speech I believe that I belong to. Yes. And second, that the speech that I believe I belong to is the only thing really trending. And it's not what I would call news. It's what I would call um, like tabloid. It's, it's all tabloid stuff. It's the things we're reading the most, despite having the best access to actual information. It's so difficult because we are made to, to use up the least amount of energy to get the most benefit. So it used to be, so, okay, let's go a little bit back into our brains. Our brains have not changed in about 150,000 years. They're almost the same Brain. So we have caveman brains in a society that is modern and has completely changed. So a lot of the stuff that drive us are maladaptive for today. But, you know, in, you know, Paleolithic times, there was they re, these are great. These are great things to be able to do. And we lived in tribal states. This was really effective. So we don't want to waste energy doing something that we can do easier because energy was something that was difficult. We starved to death if we used up resources where we shouldn't use it up. Now, for most parts of the world, not everywhere, but food is pretty plentiful. And so we don't want to waste energy. And researching, looking things up takes time, takes energy. But the third part is that we end up with something called cognitive dissonance. And this is really interesting because you'll probably be dealing with people that are either colleagues or friends or constituents that are going through something that you can tell there is a barrier to looking at something from another way. Cognitive dissonance is how we protect our belief systems. Not only do we protect our belief systems, but if someone else gives us an opposing belief system, one is we will sense that as a personal physical yeah. attack. We don't, because of our, our old brains, we don't actually know the difference. Our limbic system, again, it's very primal. The limbic system is the middle part of the brain. It's flat. It's not that intelligent. It's very emotional. Yeah. And then we have the cognitive system that's over it, the bumpy part of the brain, the thinking part we're all proud of. But often our emotional stuff is controlled by the limbic system. And when that is attacked, when we are views are attacked, we interpret that as a physical attack. And so we're going to react with cortisol and epinephrine, adrenaline, and we are going to feel personally attacked. We protect our ego very strongly. So sometimes if you are giving someone a differing opinion, they will react very strongly to protect their own because they don't want to change their beliefs. And I'll give you why, because this could be helpful when we interact with people. one thing before you go into the live. Yes. So the one thing that I find so fascinating is you have these two equal and opposing forces, is that because in, in a certain way, the internet has given us back our villages, our tribes, but they're disconnected. We're yeah. not actually together. Yes. Um, at the same time, because there's such instant and ego gratification on social networks, it's created brand affinity, the likes of which Oof. we've never seen. Yes. Like back when we were young, and I'm not by any means saying we're old, but back when we were young, 
if a CEO was caught lying, like and it hit the newspapers, they would most likely have to resign. Yes. If a company did something egregious enough to cause a recall, they would most likely, sometimes it would put them out of business. Mm -hmm. And yet today we live in a time where we have CEOs tweeting things that are probably actionable and they do it all, over and over again with zero right. consequences. And also companies, like there have been electronics that are literally exploding in people's pockets. And not only do they not get in trouble, they, people don't want to give them back because they think they're collector's items now. Right, right. These are the items that are there. But that becomes part of who we are. This tribe belonging to whatever it could be, it could be a sports team, um, whatever that might be, we want to protect because it's us. And so if we go against it because of something horrible that's happened, we've lost a piece of who we are. And so we will protect that even at our own cost because the ego cost of saying we're wrong is very painful. It's actually physically painful. If you've ever had something that you really cared about and found out that you were wrong, yeah. it causes a crack to the cognitive dissonance that protection to our belief systems. And the reason that we protect it is kind of cool. It's that the world usually did not change. So we are now in a fast evolving, changing yes. world where every 10 years, things are completely different. There was no TikTok 10 years ago. There, there was no change <laughs> usually. Like if we go back, you know, a thousand, 5,000 years ago in our existence, what was happening one year was going to be exactly the same that happened the next. So whatever was our belief system, kept us alive. And so it was a smart idea not to change because change was risky and change yes. was dangerous. We decide to go to another place to be able to hunt for food. We don't know if there's going to be food, if there's going to be resources, if there's going to be an invading tribe, if there's predatory animals, if there's, you know. And all of those exist on the internet. We just don't see them because but internet. they don't actually kill us yes. anymore. Most, most of the time, yes. you know, sometimes ideas can be powerful and, and dangerous and good and bad, but most of the time it's not, but it used to be. And because for most of our existence, those that stayed the same for most of the time did really well. And that's why we went from nomadic tribes to ones that were kind of stationary and then agriculture. It was better for us because we could control that. And so because of that, we have this protection to wanting to even believe a new different belief because possibly this is the devil I know and changing that could be dangerous to it's us. It's also incredibly visceral now. Like again, uh, by, no, by no means admitting that we're old, but when we were young, if we did something dumb, only the people there knew about it. Like right. Maybe they would tell stories, but like it was just a story. Easy to and deny now, those stories. Anything that you do that is damaging, harmful, embarrassing, it is on YouTube, it is on Instagram, it is on uh, TikTok. And we're becoming, we're, we're starting on this age of deep fakes and everything where it doesn't even have to be you. It could be somebody who had the time to just make it look like you. And so all the boundaries are starting to blur where it's both hyper real and also maybe fake. And I think that's a lot, at least for me personally, that's a lot of overhead to deal with. It's a lot of social media literacy I never got taught. Yes. And we're not, we are not taught this. Like the way that we deal with this is to research, but also to understand the manner in which media works and to be able to educate ourselves on media literacy specifically. Why do certain advertisements work on us? What's happening inside of the brain? But even with all that knowledge, it becomes really difficult to be able to sort through exhausting and the amount of information that is thrown on us now goes to the level of learned helplessness because they have this great study of if there is a choice between you know three different um cereal boxes to yeah. choose from you're buying cereal there's three choices it's we're very fast at picking out the one out of the three 
If we hit seven choices of cereal boxes, we can do that still. We're still pretty good. But now there is 150 different cereal boxes. And at that level, now I'm reading, like trying to nutritional value, sugar content. Paralysis through analysis. Exactly. Yeah. And that makes us go through learned helplessness. And when we hit that feeling of learned helplessness, which is that want to just give up, I cannot do this anymore. I'm overloaded. We become aggressive. We become stressed out and we don't want to do anything. And so well, it's like asking, what do you want for dinner? And you used to have three or four ingredients. Right. I only have choices. this in the house. Now, like with fast food and everything, deliveries, like everything comes to your door. Nobody knows. I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. And we want to have the best and the greatest and the and so we end up shutting down. And when we shut down, we want to then only consume what is pre-chewed, given yeah. to us, and Package. the least amount of work. Yeah. And that works with cereal boxes and asking what you want to have for supper, but it also works for social media. Yeah. And so social media companies I don't know have, what to think until you tell me. Exactly. Yes. They are giving you information that will make you stay, stick, spend your time, Feed whatever is that bucket that you are dying to have filled. And for a while, I also lose the thoughts of what's happening around me. I don't have to think about the pandemic or my family or that I, you know, lost my job. Well, and it's super validating because like a lot of times you do feel alone in the universe. And if you say something, especially something outrageous, you'll get a reaction. If you find an article, especially an outrageous article, and you share it to your community, you'll get a bunch of interaction. And we end up working in a very same way as those damaged social algorithms. Yes. It's almost like they're hacking us. Yes. And then we get engagement. And even so let's talk a little bit about reinforcement. So this is the way humans work. And I usually this is talked about towards children. But let's be honest, as adults, there is no difference than this either, is that we will take positive reinforcement first. Good job. You're amazing. I love you. That was awesome. Thanks, mom. <laughs> we'll take that first. <laughs> we love that. But then we're not going to take neutral next. No attention is the worst yeah. for us. So we'll take negative attention next. So we might poke at people. We might attack. I might be angry at, you know, my wife or I've lost my job or my children or my dog or whatever it might be. But I'm going to attack whatever else I can do. And you can do that to the people in power. You can do that towards media and you can attack them instead because I can't actually go after my boss, but I can <laughs> go after you and it feels good. And I get to get out my angry anger, my anxiety, my vitriol towards someone and I can just throw it, fling it, attack, and I've let it out. I've at least gotten out of my anger, my frustration, my helplessness, this. and I'm powerful. I've looked at Twitter timelines, for example, right. and you see people quote tweeting things that they hate, people that they hate with like really angry uh, comments on it, yes. but you don't see anywhere near an equal or opposing amount of things that they love. Yeah. Like, it's not like great movie. It's why is this movie so terrible? Right. It's not like this is an amazing policy. It's like, yes. this is the worst policy ever. And yes. that is what is getting amplified because that is what is getting, like what you said in the beginning, the the rage cycle is is infinite. Yes. And also the negative attention keeps getting validated. Yes. So like that business model works. Yes. And I want to be angry after. I want to let my anger out at something that I can do something with instead of feeling powerless because feeling powerless is the worst feeling that we can feel. It brings on anxiety and it brings on depression. So at least there's something that I can do and I feel active. And in social media, you can do a lot of that. And unfortunately, and fortunately, whatever you do, you get better at. 
but that's also for emotions. The more that I, the more time that I spend being angry, anxious, um, you know, forlorn, disenfranchised, the more time that I spend doing that, the better I get at doing that. And the larger is the payoff when I get to attack someone that is my placeholder for where all my anger gets reached out towards. So can I ask, how do we start turning this around both individually and collectively? What are the sort of things that we can do to break these patterns or start creating better patterns? So one is, you know, being able, so if we talk about like people that are in places of power, or we can talk about what we do with ourselves. So I'll start off with ourselves and then I'll talk about how we can help those that we work with, those that we are working for, um, and, and how do we build really a community? One is that for ourselves, I really tell people, be careful what you consume. Like we're very careful. We know that you are what yeah. you eat. You are what you read, see, and do. And though we need to be knowledgeable, there's a point where it's no longer being helpful, helpful, but being harmful to our bodies and to our brains. Because whatever emotion you have, you're releasing, a, feelings are a neurotransmitter. They're a chemical reaction. And so you have this feeling and the more that you feel it, the more that even after you've turned off the sad movie, the sad story, you still feel sad after because yes. you have sad neurotransmitters yeah. that are running through your brain. Your body often doesn't know the difference between what's happening in a real world and what's happening they, in a virtual world. It actually doesn't. Let's just say it. Our bodies do not. If you've ever used virtual reality and you're standing out on the edge of a, of yes. a, a building and it's telling you to jump, it, your body says, don't do that yeah. because so much of us is what we, we believe what we say, see and read, unfortunately and fortunately. So that would be one thing. And the second thing is make sure that you're taking good care of yourself. How much time do you spend on social media? Are you reading every single angry article, every comment that you're getting? <laughs> and it are you feeding it yourself? Because then it will increase the chances of when you engage with someone else that you're going to be aggressive, you're going to be defensive. And when you're dealing with others that may be angry or frustrated or hurt, and it's hard when someone comes at you with a lot of vitriol and a lot of force and a lot of anger. Because you want to force back. Well, you want to you want to say, I'm not a bad person. I am doing everything that I can. Or you want to say, how dare. <laughs> That's true. That is true. And so I deal a lot with that as a psychotherapist. I've had many people come in angry at me, frustrated at me. Why, Georgia, did you not? Did you, you know, I deal with parents and I'm dealing with their children. And, you know, th that can cause a lot of anger and frustration. But I'll give you the tips of how to deal with this okay. to help people. And I can tell you what I've been doing. You can tell me if it's good or not. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So, well, why don't you tell us what oh, do you do? Because okay. why don't we go? Yeah. So first, I've done a few things because I had to cope with the last, like, people argue over anything. It doesn't have to be stuff that's world changing. Like, people right. argue about Pepsi versus Coke and mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, Marvel versus DC. Like, anything, Xbox versus Sony. Like, anything, yeah. people will argue about it. And there are toxic levels of fandom, if you want to call it that across everything. Like for me, a lot of it was technological, like Microsoft versus Apple or Android versus iPhone, all these right. things, really toxic. So I stopped looking at mainline Twitter um, and mainline Facebook, and I created lists of people that I trusted and respected to look at it. And there were certain industry leaders, I had to know what they were saying or doing, but I chose, I chose trusted sources, like, like reasonable sources as pre-filters for mm -hmm. that. And then I also influenced entirely by you. I made it a rule that I would 99.9, .9, like I, I will never quote tweet something negative because I believe I'm just giving it attention. 
like I'm rewarding the negative attention seeking. So what I do instead is I quote things that I think are positive, that I want to promote, voices I want to find heard, and um, what I think are reasonable solutions to problems that I would love to see implemented. So I sort of, because as much as the world trains an algorithm, we all train our personal algorithm, and I wanted to take responsibility for training mine towards what I felt was a better world. I like that. I think that that's all really good. Um, what happens though is when what if you have to talk to someone, these are the people that you are, you know, running a team with, or these are your constituents, or these are your colleagues. And so you're gonna have to interact. And they're angry and they're frustrated, and you are to blame. This becomes they believe really you are to blame. They, and maybe you are, <laughs> maybe and maybe you are, you are not. Um, the thing is, is that it doesn't actually matter. And, and this becomes difficult. And I'll, I'll kind of go through easier said than done. So I do understand that. One is that if you tell someone that believes that um, the sky is green, you know, let's, let's use a different color. The, the sky is yellow. And you tell them, no, the sky is blue. That is not actually going to, they become actually more polarized in their own belief, no, the sky is yellow. Yeah. That doesn't work. What you need to do is start off where someone is. And so if someone comes at you and they're really angry and frustrated or hurt, the first thing, instead of defending yourself, and this is very vastly difficult, is to pause and listen. Because right away, right away, if someone is anger, anger is almost always masking hurt, powerlessness, and frustration. And so if someone comes to me, I first say, I can see that you're really angry, you know, and if you come in without your guns ablazing, you come in with guns ablazing, they're going to go for the fight because at least they feel they're active and they can throw all of their anger and hurt and pain and suffering towards you. But if they see you as an ally, someone that is going to listen, that cares enough to hear them, right away you can see, and I, you know, I see people and they come in and their fists are balled up and they're in pain. And I say, I can see you're really angry. And my voice is calm, I'm doing my breathing, and if I'm not sure what to say, I pause and I listen. And I can see, and I say, I can see your, you know, and they say, no, I'm not really angry. And I say, well, I can see that your hands are, are balled up, or I can hear from your voice that there's something that's bothering you. What is it I'd like to hear? Even that, without fixing anything, goes a long way. Because in the end, we all want to be heard. We all want to yeah. be listened to. We all want to be validated. A lot of times we throw out, oh, you're crazy, or that's fake news, or, you know, you're just, and we give someone a label. That's very painful. We attack the person. We don't, uh, we don't the accept the ideas. Yeah. And I think that we need to be a community together and know that we're all in the same ship. Like I saw this, it, tremendous argument yesterday on Clubhouse because Clubhouse is a thing now too. We have we always get more and more networks to have to worry right, about. Right, right. It's a social media Huge. network where you can talk to yes. each other. Yeah, it's it's like the interactive podcast. And it was an, a huge argument, like a vitriol-filled argument, because one person in, and please forgive me if I get the states wrong, there's a lot of states to keep track of, one person in Colorado mm -hmm. and one person in Texas both claimed to live on the Colorado River. And they were both yelling and screaming that the other person was wrong. And it turned out there are two Colorado Rivers. Oh. And we are not good with multiple truths on the internet. <laughs> Right. Did it end well? It ended with them both thinking that it was stupid that there were two Colorado rivers. So they, they redirected well, you know their what? anger. I'm okay. At least they were <laughs> both together because that also works. 
Sometimes, and what you want to a do is- A common enemy in Wikipedia. It could be a common enemy or a common truth or a common piece of something where you say, you know what? I can understand that, or I can see why you would feel that way. I can see why that makes you angry. You're right in worrying about this. That is a great starting yeah. point because it's so val. It's actually soothing to us as people to be like, I can understand why you would feel that way. Or that's a really interesting argument. Can you, you know, send me some more information about that? I'll take a look into it. But the only piece that I will add to that is that if you say that you're going to look into something, if you say, you know, I'm going to get back to you, don't say it if you do not mean it. It's so hurtful when someone feels that sense of peace that, you know, you're going to look into it, you're going to send an email yes. back. It's like customer service. The company's going to get back to you. Why haven't and, they gotten back to you? And it's hard because there might be too much of that. And so I try, I try my best that if I, I don't promise or say to do something um, because, you know, when you're on a social media person, there's just so many people that are asking for different things. And I know that I'm not great with getting, I'm not even great with re replying to my text messages. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Renee. Um, and so I know that I'm not going to be able to do it. So I try to let people know, you know what, I'm not really great at this. Please send me a reminder if I need to. Um, it is important. And that doesn't mean that I don't care about this. But if you say something, yes, please do it because it's it's really harmful and hurtful to people to be able to not have what they had promised that would happen, happen. So the social networks are trying to address this in some ways. Like I mentioned, YouTube is trying to tell us that uh, whether we're satisfied or not, Twitter is saying, did you actually read this article before you retweet it? They've been testing that. So there are various things evolving. I think they're going to keep evolving. So... Any social media knowledge that someone should know that would be helpful of them dealing with other people that are dealing with social media. Yeah, um, I saw also Diane has, has, has joined us again. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, maybe we can get ready for the Q and A's and, and uh, sure. we can see, we can follow up with any questions that people have. And you know, this has just been absolutely amazing. I've been taking lots of notes, but at the same time, I've written down a lot of questions. Um, and I think I'm gonna go to one of the questions that I actually see here in the comments first, because it aligns with one of the questions I have. And they said, um, well, great cognitive awareness about what's going on in our brains. How do we best apply this new knowledge to help others who are not yet or not aware of what's going on inside. And that was aligned to my question because there are things we can see in people that they may not see in themselves. And if you try to talk to them about it, they're gonna get offended or deny it. So what's the best approach for, what's your recommendation for how to you know, work through yeah. that? Yes. And it's it's a hard thing because um, often if you give someone knowledge that is they see as verse, then they actually will cause the opposite effect. They'll become more angry, more frustrated, and they're going to be polarized away from you. So what you want to use is Socratean arguments, which is asking questions. People love to talk and share their feelings. So if you ask them a question where you kind of know that they have cognitive dissonance and they ask them, well, what do you feel about this? Or why do you think this? Is it because of A, B, or C? And mm -hmm. if it was different, would you feel different? So my first statement is be curious because the way that we kind of deal with, you know, having polarized, very strong cognitive dissonance thoughts 
is by ourselves questioning them. And so having other people that are coming from a place of peacefulness, not attack, listening, not teaching, and sharing, not telling us what we should and should not think, because those all close us off. We're guarding ourselves mm -hmm. up and going back to our home base. That opens up discourse. And we want people to question and think and deal with it for themselves. One of the best things you, she used to ask, or you used to ask me was, I would say, they said, blah, 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 blah. And she would stop me and say, who's they? Yeah. And just me having to go through that mm -hmm. uh, yeah. started a whole new line of thinking in, in, in me. Yes. And it comes from within the house. Yes. Right. And that's the way that we help change. So now this is a curiosity question. Is there a difference between listening and hearing? Oh, that's so good. That's so, uh, we could go, oh, that's a brilliant <laughs> question. And that could be an entire a, talk on themselves. What's yeah. fascinating is there's actually a saying in Chinese that is listen, but didn't hear. It's one yes. of the most yes. common things you say to people. Yes, it, it, there's a complete difference. One is you're trying, you're building up your own defenses and you're trying to go on the attack and you're just waiting to speak. And the yes. other one is being <laughs> actually interested in finding out and walking a little bit in someone else's shoes. And if you do that, one is you're building community, two, you're building an alliance between two people, and three, you will have a better understanding of why someone feels that way. So I always start off with, I could be wrong, because I could be wrong, and let me learn, and you teach me. And we start from there, we take the journey together. That's good. Let's see here. We have another question. How can you avoid getting biased information when you don't know you are? Oh, it's, that's so that's that's a tough one. I, I think that Renee's point of looking at primary sources is wonderful. I, I think that it's time consuming, though. And so but for something that's important to you, for something that matters, I always say, go to the primary source. Even when we just, you know, broken telephone, we're copying one word that is said to us. Yeah. There's a great chance by the time that it reaches the end of the telephone that it's not going to be there. There's Renee? also, yeah, no, for sure. There's also, uh, I went to school during a period where when you wrote your thesis, you, like, they assumed there would be bias. So you didn't deny bias because nobody is truly not biased. I like you, that. you admitted that you had biases and you tried to understand them. And we all do. We also uh, often have trouble differentiating objective and subjective. Like there are movies that I love that are subjectively terrible and movies that I don't like at all that are objectively brilliant by, you know, every cinematography or scripting standard and getting to understand that what you like and, and don't like are subjective, I think is really important. And then just check multiple sources because things are going to be biased. And sometimes that bias is good, you know, uh, and sometimes that bias needs to be balanced. So checking multiple sources, primary sources, and then the old reporter in me is going to come out and say, you know, make sure there's like, you get at least three opinions on something. Also not opinions from people who are directly invested in it. Right. It's often true. really important. That's true. If you work for the sugar company and you're talking your about kid, how great sugar is. Your kid is always going to tell you something that is really pertinent to them, which is why you've also got to ask the teacher and then <laughs> mm -hmm. another student. <laughs> right. And, and try to give the opposing arguments yeah. because sometimes there is no black and white. Right. It's all forms of gray. Mm -hmm. And when we can understand that I have my own biases, I might be wrong and there are differing opinions that may also be right. Then we can hopefully at least all be paddling the boat in a similar direction. Close. Right. close if you to want the, the same if direction. you want good goals. Yeah. If everybody yes. wants good goals, it's a good motivator. That's good. And that's a great lead into the next question. What if there's only one truth? 
and the other person simply refuses to be open to anything other than their belief. True. True. You could say, you know, well, let's let's deny gravity, know, Georgia. I do not believe in gravity. You do not believe in gravity. It's true. Like maybe gravity it's is all, an opinion. It, it, it's all magnets, and there, there's something <laughs> different, right? Like again, I'll be honest. I don't know. I I can mm -hmm. say that I believe what other people believe, but I don't actually know that. But perhaps there is a an actual objective truth to it. In the end, the unfortunate part or the fortunate part is that it isn't about truth for many people. It's about having it's their, their feeling, voice, right? yeah. it's their feelings, it's being heard. And so if we start off with just making sure that you listen, you validate, and you're there, even mm -hmm. if they are completely wrong and you believe that they are, there's not even a grain of truth to it, but at least that they feel listened to. Because right away, if we go on, no way, there's definitely gravity, and that's ridiculous that you even said that. You're leaving someone else with feelings of, you know, being hurt, not being listened to. And so I think that we need to first, facts matter and truth matters. I believe well, there's that. there's two things, right? It's but, like- But one second, but people matter more. Mm -hmm. And we need to first make sure that we are there for people and that they feel heard and listened to. And then we can deal with, let's discuss, because now we're together. If we are apart and our, our weapons are at each other's throats, we are not going to, it doesn't matter what the consensus is, mm -hmm. but if we can first put down the weapons, yeah. I was going to say something really similar. It's like, and you, you see this in family dynamics a lot, especially when dealing with kids. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to get like what you want out of it? Yeah. Like, do you want to be effective? And a lot of times in order to be effective, you have to be heard. And that means you have to use your verbal jujitsu to put somebody in a state where they're willing to listen to you. And often that's exactly what Georgia said, is you start mm -hmm. asking questions. Rather than contradicting or arguing, you start asking questions. And the more questions you ask, if they are really factually wrong, those questions are gonna lead them to at least doubting the facts and opening up to more potential answers. And they mm -hmm. might talk about it more. Yeah. Because yeah. if once we start going back to our own area, our own base, and then we're just feeding back into the machine of whatever is, you know, gravity is not real, then we're not going to reach anyone. In the end, we have to do this together. And sometimes that takes someone reaching out to someone else and being there with them, even if you completely wholeheartedly disagree. We can't yes. forget the people that are there with it. And I think that we can often, you know, get onto a pedestal and we want to stay there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know we're getting close to time here, but I have to ask this question. So we've seen all of the Twitters, Facebook posts, you know, all of those things from a federal level. It's gone down to a state level. And everybody on this call is representing their communities, local communities, local bodies. What would be your... tips for us to take away so that one, whatever local body you're with, you know what? You're not attacking each other as the face of your community. And then secondly, you're not attacking the community as a whole because they may have different values, opinions, and thoughts than you do. Can I try first and you can tell me if I'm right or not? Yeah, yeah, please, right. please. So the way I approach these things, and I'm not doing this in a political level, but I've done this with a lot of online communities, is I always try to remember my goal and then work backwards. So instead of instead idea. of just facing something 
and trying to negotiate in the moment, I always, even if I have to put a sticky note in front of me, what is my end goal? And then I will, the strategy to get there might evolve, but I'll always employ strategies to get me to that end goal. And the goal might change as I get more feedback, but I always want to make sure I'm keeping the result important, like in front of me and not just getting sidetracked by uh, the myriad possibilities for diversity, like not like the uh, argument. Yes. <laughs> if you work your way backwards, that what I want to build is a strong community where all of my constituents feel heard and listened to. And they've spent the time and effort. Whenever someone messages me, even if it's an attack, they spent the time and effort. They cared enough to send me a message. And so if I want to build community, how would I do that? And they're angry and they're upset at me. And they're and a majority so, in their own mind. And they're and they may be the mm -hmm. actual majority. And yeah. maybe it's I'm the minority in my viewpoints. And so what do I do is we find a place that we agree. We thank someone for the time and effort that they spent to deal with that. And we open up the discourse for let me know how you feel. Now, I will state one piece to this. There is a caveat. If it is angering, bullying, Harmful. name calling yeah. or rude. There, mm -hmm. even if these are your constituents, there's nothing wrong with stating that I, you know, I don't mind having the discourse, but I don't accept being bullied. I don't accept being threatened. I don't accept that. And if you wish it to speak, that is fine if you can do this in a way that is respectful. Because respectful discourse, just like we would teach to our children, we want to teach to those that are working with us, those that are our constituents, and those that are around us. And so that is fine to put an kind of stop to that. And if they give another rude message, you can, again, give a warning of this is what's going to happen <laughs> when you are more yep. calm and more upset. But unfortunately, when we're upset, oh, let me just add this. When you are angry, frustrated, upset, <laughs> the rules are the same with dealing with a dangerous animal. Do not talk, do mm -hmm. not text, do not email, and do not call. When your yes. body's going like this, wait, just wait it out. Don't mm -hmm. even talk about. Don't even type it out yet. Just, just you can type it out on something that is not social media because sometimes people Put hit send by mistake. <laughs> journal it mm -hmm. out. Wait, and probably within a day you're going to feel better and happy you did not send it. That feeling, limbic brain, emotional. You're going to say something that you shouldn't, and people will remember forever. And the internet yeah. is forever. I was going to say it will always come back. It's like that it's saying. Always don't a tweet. Put anything always. out there you, you don't can, want your mom to read. Yeah. 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 Anything yeah. you can say will and should be used against you. They <laughs> in the court of right? court. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So be careful. Be careful. Renee, Georgia, thank you so much. This has been an incredible session. Um, any last words before we wrap up? Well, I'll just say thank you so much to everyone that is trying to build community that cares passionately about trying to make this better. Um, we're all in this together. We need to remember that we're on one boat all together. And so hopefully we can have more open discourse and discussions where we work on all of us kind yeah. of heading in a similar direction. Doesn't have to be the same. And I'll just add, we are what we click on and we are what we post. So each and every one of us can make a better world every day just by being more conscientious of that. I like that. Excellent. Well, so good to see you again. And I hope we'll keep in touch. Take care. And thanks, everybody, for joining. All right. Well, that was that was phenomenal. I really had a lot of fun doing that. I had a lot of fun doing it as well. It was an absolute blast. And as always, you know, if you're watching on Nebula, stay tuned because we still have a bonus segment to get to. If you are not watching on Nebula and you really want to be, you really should be, because among other things, we're now beta testing our new content API, which is just so fast. It is 
so fast and you can the find The flash it. went, oh my God, that's so yeah, fast. Yeah, flash is like speed force, content API. I want the content API. That's, that's true. That's true. You can find that at beta.nebula.app. Uh, and if you want to have access to all of that, just go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk. Uh, sign up there. You not only get Curiosity Streams award-winning documentaries and series, just really amazing, amazing stuff, but you also get Nebula uh, for free, bundled in. I think Curiosity Stream is right now, I want to say like 20-something percent off. It's it's less than 15 bucks for the whole year. It's less than an all-dressed pizza for the I whole know, year. one month of Netflix or this? Yeah, you, and with this, you get us. Uh, no ads, no sponsors, bonus content. So much better. All of our videos, Apple Talk, a bunch of like Legal Eagle and Thomas Frank and just so many, uh, so many other people. It's amazing. Jordan Harrod, Epos Fox, the list goes on and on. So just go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk, sign up, and then you'll get the bonus segment. And... If you are leaving us now, Georgia, where can people find you? You can check out, I'm on Twitter, it's uh, at Georgia underscore Dow on YouTube. It's Georgia, YouTube slash Georgia Dow. Yes, YouTube.com. Dot com, <laughs> I knew that. YouTube.com slash Georgia Dow. I was just checking if you knew that. And you can shoot me an email, Georgia at WestmountTherapy.com, two Ts. And you can reach me at uh, YouTube.com slash Renee Ritchie or at Renee Ritchie on the social media things. Except for one. Except for TikTok, where it's Renee Ritchie was taken because yes. Renee Ritchie was taken. It's logical. <laughs>